Welcome, everybody, to Talking Elite. I hope you guys are ready to um, discuss John Moxley tonight. It's going to be a fun, exciting episode. I personally cannot wait. He actually has one of my favorite wrestlers uh, since I saw him debut in The Shield. Um, we'll get to that moment later, of course. Um, so tonight I am joined by the general manager of the All Elite Zone. He is our producer, the mastermind, the ringleader of the circus. Please welcome Connor. Connor, how you doing tonight, buddy? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, this is a very good topic. Uh, MJF, Kenny Omega, and now that Moxley. Uh, it should be pretty good. I think, like I said, I think we'll have to see him punk eventually. Um, maybe we'll do them next month, but we kind of have a, you have to like kind of start with your bigger name stars up front, kind of like how AEW did with Jericho putting the belt around him. Um, yeah. you know, there's a lot going on right now with John Moxley. Um, so he has probably one of the most interesting, uh, careers. And yeah. I was, I watched a video today on YouTube, um, kind of did a little more deep dive because I knew a lot about him in the shield and then going into, you know, AEW, New Japan, but I did not know some of the facts um, about some like his first match with within the WWE, you know, contracting. I didn't know who it was against, so that was kind of fun to hear. Um, and also, you know, it's he's probably, you know, it's so interesting to see a brawler be on the top of your PWI um, list, because yeah. I was looking at it, he was number one in 2020. I know it was the COVID year, but Looking at that, right? So we can, we'll dive into that real quick. You know, looking at how he, you know, started, you know, he started the year off as champion, pandemic hit, you know, he was, you know, really the face of AEW during the worst time, but yet he still made it impactful. Um, so for him to get the number one spot on the, you know, on the you know, Pro Wrestling Illustrated list with names like, you know, Daniel Bryan at the time, Omega, you know, have a brawler like that. I was very surprised. Um, did you agree at the time with that listing pick? Did you agree with that? Uh, 2020 was the year of John Moxley. Yeah. Uh, not just in AEW, but uh, if, if it wasn't going to be John Moxley, probably Kenny Omega, but John Moxley had, like you, like, you can go on Twitter and, like, someone will make these things of, like, all the title defenses Moxley had of the year in 2020. Oh, my God. He went against uh, Hager. He went against beat jericho twice he beat all MJF. these yeah was the darby was the, like yeah the one match that uh oh no that was 2021 the, uh, oh. him and him and uh omega in the uh <laughs> we'll get to that uh, too <laughs> that match but uh 2020 <laughs> yeah like yeah uh roman reigns didn't really like he just came back he came back at the, like the end of the year i think yeah so yeah i, I agree with mox being number one of 2020 i actually have that magazine i think when you're talking about yeah you know i remember like him beating jericho that night revolution and i know both myself and my fiance we were doing backflips because you know he had some great you know interesting moments as world champion in wwe but i feel like with his aw you know first run you know i feel like it was more impactful than all of his years at you know wwe so I, I thought it was really, you know, I thought that was it was awesome that we were able to at least put him as number one. I think he's been consistently in the top ten the last couple of years. So for Dean Ambrose to really not be mentioned hardly on the list to being John Moxley being one of the biggest vocal points of watching AEW. 
And I know the whole criticism, oh man, but he bleeds every week, bleeds when it's not, you know, right? For me, yeah. it's it's part of his character. He's just playing Terry Funk in a modern yeah. in a modern era. Because if you go watch back some Terry Funk moments on ECW or WCW, or just go watch a Terry Funk match in general, that or Japan, you know, yeah. he you know, he was bleeding constantly, you know. So I think I'm okay with I'm okay with it personally. Um, Connor, what is your take on that? Like would you have him maybe roll back the blood a little bit? Are you okay with it? Like, what's your thoughts on having him bleed? Not every match or every moment, but how do you, what do you think about that? I like blood and wrestling. Uh, I think for so many years, him being WWE, not being allowed to, you know, do that kind of stuff. Like, you may bleed once or twice a year, or you got to purposely make yourself bleed to, to do something. Like, in WWE, like, they don't do anything like that. And if if you want to watch his past stuff before WWE, like CZW, and <laughs> oh my god, yeah. like you think today's bleeding, oh my god, he used to go through light tubes, uh, barbed wire. I think there was a barbed wire. Um, there was a barbed wire window pane that I saw from his tournament of death, one of his matches from that, and I'm like, geez, like that is just sick. Um, so before we kind of like dive, because we'll 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 start talking about it here in a second. Um, Kentucky lady uh, just joined in. She says, "Hey guys, it's been a while since you've been on. Well, welcome back. I hope uh, you're excited to listen to us talk about um, D- uh, Dean Ambrose, John Moxley tonight." Uh, Mike says, "Hey guys, hope you know." Hi, Mike. So I thought it was very interesting. I and I didn't realize this, but do you know what? John Moxley, Jonathan Good, Dean Ambrose dropped out of school. Before he even turned 18 to become a professional wrestler. Did you know that? I think I did know that. I watched, uh, I wasn't to the AEW Unrestricted, and uh, he, he dropped out of school like at a very, very young age. Uh, yeah. You know, kind of looking at it, because I watched an interview kind of how he got his, uh, like what inspired him. So it's interesting. So the two wrestlers that inspired him the most, can you take a guess on who those two are? I'm going to guess, but I'm probably going to be wrong, but I'm going to say Terry Funk. That's and, one of them. Oh, wow. Uh, I'm going to say Terry Funk and... Um, hmm. This is going to be a wild one, but Tommy Dreamer. Nope. This, the one that really inspired him the most before he saw Terry Funk, Brett the Hitman Hart. Wow. Out of anyone. Yeah. You know, and kind of yeah. looking at it, I, I didn't really put the two and two together, but John Moxley literally is taking Terry Funk and taking Bret Hart and putting them together. You know, yeah. this like his John Moxley, in my opinion, and I'm glad that he, I think he would have got this, you know, from his earlier career and, you know, and uh, CC, you know, CCW and all the independent scene. But once he kind of joined, you know, the Florida Championship Wrestling. Once he started that, that's when I started seeing him learn psychology, especially because, yeah. you know, working uh, his first match. Um, can you take a guess on who his first match was against in Florida champ- Championship Wrestling? Want to take a guess? I know someone that had a lot of matches with a lot of the ones in FCW. I'm going to say William Regal. Nope. He did go up against William Regal, and it was fantastic. Great storyline. His first mm-hmm. ever match was against Seth freaking Rollins how wow. poetic is that you know yeah. 
to have that start off your career and then having that also be part of you know your main WWE career like I thought that was so, it's so poetic you know it, it just makes sense with all their chemistry looking at it now yeah you know and looking at it it was kind of a huge jump for uh John Moxley Dean Ambrose at the time because you know he went from being this deathmatch indie darling fighting to gauge getting his head torn up with a pizza cutter a pizza cutter Connor a pizza yeah. cutter and going from that to Basically, the Walt Disney of professional wrestling. I personally would not see that coming. Like, you know, and I wish I would have known who he was beforehand. Because I know he had a couple uh, tryout matches with the product. Um, have you seen the video of pink-haired Dean Ambrose? Do you ever see yeah. that? Yeah, I've <laughs> seen that quite a few times. Just yeah. looking at his evolution on how far he came, I thought that was, you know, something very special. And, of course... You know, he, you know, had a great match up, you know, against William Regal. You know, he had, you know, he had a pretty decent amount of time in FCW, but then you had one of the biggest nights in professional wrestling of the modern era. November 18th, 2012, The Shield helped CM Punk retain the World Heavyweight Championship at Survivor Series. Starting off, he was supposed to be CM Punk's hired goons. Now, I know you're yeah. the CM Punk mark of our group, and I love you for that. So um, why don't you give us an insight on how that should have gone and what Punk had in mind with bringing in the Shield? Um, again, I stopped watching wrestling in 2011, but I do have some. Uh, I know like he basically took them under his wing a little bit, like, mm-hmm. like behind the scenes. Uh we watched on here the uh, CM Punk documentary, and uh, yeah. it showed him behind the scenes. Like, and it's hard to think that, like, to, like today the guys he mentored: Rollins, multi-time world champion; Moxley, multi-time world champion; Reigns, multi-time world. All three of them multi-time yeah. world champions. And he, uh, I don't remember too much about the feud, but uh, like they didn't even like have him like be the leader of the group, did they? Like they. They just because uh, I know they went against each other a few times, uh, like yeah. CM Punk and uh, She was feuding uh, a lot. But it was supposed to be like because you know if you look at the reports, CM Punk really wanted them to be his hired goons, almost like how almost like a modern day bloodline. If you want to put that into kind of like uh, how perspective, uh, yeah. It was uh, when Triple H uh, like hired Kevin Nash to beat up CM Punk or whatever, kind of like that. Yeah. Like he hired them to, yeah, I see what you're saying. I think in a positive light, though, I feel like it was better for them. Yeah. Looking back. Yeah. yeah. Because think about it. Because looking at the, from at least what Moxley was saying on how the shield was supposed to be, and I'm glad they did it for their last match together as a unit, but they were supposed to come out in riot shields, you know, the helmets, the batons. Yeah. Instead of just you know the vest and the classic black that we you know notice today, um, but looking at it, you know they were CM Punk at the time was probably your biggest act in your company, even though WWE still does not did not acknowledge that he was your world champion, constantly being buried by Triple H. You know, not you know if you think about it, why was his programming burying CM Punk? And I mean, we'll we've gone into that plenty of times, and you guys know the whole story, but. Looking at the shield, that was probably one of the most special factions 
in professional wrestling. You know, if you look at it, um, Moxley, Dean Ambrose at the time, he was the longest United States, till this day, he's still the longest United States um, champion to this day, even though he rarely defended it. Um, but he also brought prestige to the belt because it was constantly on TV. And at least he kind of carried it with passion when he did everything, especially when the Shield also at the time, you know, Reigns and Rollins having, you know, the tag belts. Um, did you? I, it's hard because I can't recall many of Moxley's um, United States Championship matches. Can you recall any, Connor? I think he made it against Luke Harper one time when that. Yes, Luke Harper, yes. And the Wyatt family was feuding. I think he that, actually. No, he didn't lose to Luke Harper because Luke Harper won the Intercontinental. I see. Uh, or, you know, Brody Lee, Luke Harper. Uh, but that, that's the main one match I can think of. I believe it was at SummerSlam, those two went against each other, Moxley and uh, uh, yeah. Lee. Because I think it's set up for one of – it was probably the first feud with the Wyatt family slash Bray Wyatt. Because um, I think it's set up to that six-man uh, tag match between the Wyatt family and the Shield. Yeah. Um, which was, if you had another chance, it's probably one of the best, I think, six-man matches in the company's you know most recent history. Yeah. Um, just because like everyone, it was just hard hitting. That match had everybody's skill set on display, and it kind of led to that future um, feud with Bray Wyatt between Dean Ambrose. So, you know, it it, it had a lot of it had a lot of nuances to it. And then, of course, you had the famous um, this kind of starting to downfall the Shield a little bit. But when you had um, the Rhodes family versus the Shield, when you had you know, you had Dusty Rhodes, one of his last, you know, matches in history in his last WWE match. Yeah. Um, if you haven't got a chance, go back, watch it. Um, Gold Dust, you know, with Dustin Rhodes, he actually was more um, like Dustin instead of Gold Dust. It was like one of the more rare appearances where Dustin actually showed his true personality during that time. Um, and of course, it was a great win. It also kind of started your babyface turn for the Shield. Um, but you also had you had the Rhodes family that had the last it was almost almost like the last big moment as a Rhodes family, um, and actually the start of the tag champions as the Rhodes and having yeah. those guys go off and have a great story at the start and then kind of flop towards the end. Uh, yeah. But it was a, it was a good talking point for sure. Um, and then of course you have the Shield um, going against uh, Evolution. Yeah, that was one of my favorites. And, I just wish, like the only yeah. thing I wish was, was Ric Flair would, would have been involved in some capacity because he yes. was like, he probably would have wrestled if they would have asked him to. He probably would have. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, yeah, no, for sure. But like just him just being a part of it. But that was at uh, Survivor Series, I believe. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like that's one much I do remember. I didn't watch it live, but I have the DVD to that. You know, just I, just I think just looking at it, you know, you knew something big was going to happen at the end of the story. Um, a lot of people were speculating, uh, to be honest, with you, not expecting Seth Rollins to turn on. They always thought it was going to be Ambrose because for a while there, Ambrose was literally the mouthpiece and the leader, you know, for the Shield. If you go back and watch, he did a lot of the speaking. He did a lot of the, you know, the backstage segments. He was more of that mouthpiece. And looking at now, like he really helped bring up Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns with him. 
You know, you always really talk about those two more than, fortunately, Dean Ambrose, at least in the, his WWE career. Um, but if you look at it and how those two, you know, have grown, um, like, you know, it's so crazy to go back and watch that. Um, before we get to um, the Shield breakup, uh, Davis brought up a very good point. Um, Moxley versus Kingston for the U.S. title. And if I remember correctly, that's who he defeated for the U.S. title. Am I correct? Or was it just a... Or was it just a uh, United States match? But if America, that's the one he beat. Um, that was a really great match. That really showed more on who Dean Ambrose was. And you kind of started to see a little bit more of potentially that lunatic fringe that we all know today. Um, so now that uh, now we're kind of, you know, towards the end of uh, the Evolution storyline, you know, Triple H comes out with Evolution. He's got a sledgehammer. And yeah. he's like, you always have to have a plan B because he knew he lost, lost the battle. But Triple H and the Authority won the war because that's when Seth Rollins hits Roman Reigns in the back. You have yeah. that shock on yeah. Dean Ambrose's face, one of the best sells of any like modern day wrestling. That's one reason why I love Moxley slash Dean Ambrose. He has some of the best character like features in his face especially when something like that happened so he you know hits you know both dean and reigns and you start the feud towards hell in a freaking cell against seth rollins uh mike morris um he actually brought this up that's why i was kind of saved the comment um hit mike morris's favorite feud at the time was moxley versus rollins and that one was a great hell in a cell match of course you see both men Falling off that cell because Seth Rollins is a snake. He's a weasel. He's trying to get out of the situation. And, of course, Ambrose went after him. And, boom, right onto the table. Starts one of the best, you know, modern Hell in a Cells before they started going with the red cell. I don't understand that. Yeah. But you have, like, a really great back and forth even match. Ambrose is about to win. And, bloop, 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 bloop. Spooky stuff. You see a hologram. Do you, you remember this, Connor, where you see a hologram of Bray Wyatt in the middle of the ring, scares Ambrose, sparks fly in his face, Rollins gets the pin. Uh, never, never seen that. Uh, if you get the chance, it is um, It's almost the start of like the goofiness of Dean Ambrose's character. That whole, like, it's just, it was weird. It was probably, like, it's, you know, that saying that people remember the finish, not the match. And I think he would have found a way to have Seth Rollins win it with a weapon or pin clean or something better. I think more people will remember this Hell in a Cell match. But, you know, that was kind of the storyline between, you know, he, Rollins went off, had a lot of stuff with the authority and Roman Reigns. Uh, Rollins did, sorry. Rollins had a lot of stuff with, you know, the authority went off against had a Roman Reigns match. You know, Bray Wyatt and Dean Ambrose had their feud. And... Yeah. I don't know. It just it is kind of like I think the downfall a little bit of uh, Dean Ambrose, John Moxley at the time. Um, however, you know things looked bad. Fans did get behind Ambrose because um, yeah. you know he had some terrible moments with the Brock Lesnar WrestleMania match. Um, I can't remember what thirty-two. Yeah, yeah, thirty-two. That was. So like he talked about that one time and he said that Brock was refused to put any type of good match on like like he brought so, up like 
like if you watch Matt, like yeah. all these chairs in the ring, and he wouldn't let Ambrose get any anything. So the reason why um, I, I watched, I read some reports on this one today, and this is actually something new to me. So that whole match, the reason why it became so it was supposed to be just an all-out brawl. That's what Ambrose WWE wanted. Brock, of course, hmm. wanted to try to get back into the UFC. So it went from being an even match. Of course, Brock Lesnar is just going to destroy Ambrose. Moxley literally wanted to get hurt. He wanted to actually be physically hurt, almost like the Randy Orton match, right? Then, they're like, nope, sorry. You know, he's trying to go back to UFC. It's going to be a Brock squash match, and you know the results of that. <laughs> if you see me picking my nose, I'm not picking my nose. That's itching my nose. You're good. <laughs> I, yeah, you're good. You know, sometimes you got to scratch away a, a boogie. You know, you can't, you know, you got, you're in the middle of a show. You can't just, can't just stop now, Connor. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you look at it, you know, then you had probably another weird moment in his, uh, he had a mat, his match against Jericho. The yeah, Ambrose was, Asylum match. Like, that Did was you, probably, like, and even in AEW, they brought some of that stuff up. Jer- uh, Jericho did. He said that that uh, you owe me a new jacket because I'm in that match. He yes. tore his jacket out. Uh, yes. like, I feel like that was the last hardcore match in WWE that we've seen. I think uh, that was the last time they used, and only time yes. to my knowledge, in the PG era that they used thumbtacks. Yeah, because I remember Jericho. Oh my god! If if anyone like sees a wrestler like when they pick out thumbtacks one by one, like Britt Baker, like she had like one by one, they pick it out and they. Uh, yeah. Um, and it all started over Mitch the Potted Plant. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the most over plant in wrestling history. Um, this, like, it was kind of like really his peak of his goofiness because he literally, like, it must have been hard for him to think that, you know, to go to that mindset. Okay, well, they're giving me this. So I got to be a goofball. Get Mitch the Potted Plant over. And Jericho tells this funny story. They went all around backstage trying to find this potted plant. And they finally yeah. did. And he hates Mitch. He hates Mitch the potted plant. <laughs> so and that leads to Jericho, you know, Moxley tearing up his jacket. They have the Ambrose Asylum match. Um, and this one was kind of goofy because Jericho didn't want to just do a, a, a steel cage. He invented the Ambrose Asylum match just for Dean Ambrose. Yeah. And this one was wacky. You know, it had the thumbtacks, like Connor was saying, which Jericho literally had 68 tacks go into him. And then he found one at the very end sticking right up into his butt crack. Oh, man. <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So, I really felt yeah. Jericho on that one. You know, and, and looking at it, the match was silly because I think they had a mop. They, they, they didn't have the bar. They had a barbed wire bat, but they had just a normal mop. Uh, yeah, I remember uh, that. Like it was just, it was okay. Like I'm wrong. It sounds cool on paper, um, but it's 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 really goofy. It's it's really really goofy. Almost derails his whole momentum. But then Moxley does get some steam behind him, and in 2016, he yeah. wins. Money in the bank. Yep. He, he wins. Yep. If I'm not mistaken, 
didn't he win it the same night and he cashed in, in. Yeah. so what's crazy yeah. about this okay is all three members of the shield for one night at money in the bank in 2016 they all held the wwe world heavyweight championship the same night I, I don't doubt a faction's ever done that before. Like that's probably the only faction in history to you know, and it's kind of sad because that right there was a great month for for Ambrose, but the three never had a WrestleMania match against one another. I feel hmm. like that's the biggest ball that WWE has dropped in the modern because era. I believe uh right after that they built towards Battleground, it wasn't it a triple threat? They yeah, it was a battlegrounds, yeah. And but I, think I wish was... they would have put that like at least one of the two on WrestleMania, like yes, like how you were saying, like they they never really uh well if you count uh, when Rollins cashed in just for a few seconds, Rollins and Reigns were in WrestleMania match. Yes. <laughs> but you know, and it's just crazy. You know, you had it was kind of it was sad to think that that was never gonna happen. And then, of course, you know, you had some shenanigans with AJ Styles beating Moxley for the championship. You know, Dean had a weird feud against James Ellsworth for a little oh, bit. <laughs> oh Everybody God, love, God. Uh, loves the no chin music. And it was just, it was just really goofy. And I could see where his frustrations really started coming in. Because, you know, I would love to have seen, I guess, a PG version of John Moxley of that man we knew he could be. And I thought we were eventually going to get to that. Um, if you look at it, The Shield returns 2016. And then, of course, Moxley gets hurt. Yeah. Yep. He yeah, gets his bicep, gets a infection, has to go away for a while, right? Yeah, that was one where uh, Luke Kurt Angle uh, stepped in. Nope, that's not yet. That is time with Roman Oh, that's wrong. Oh, yeah, that's wrong. Yeah. So, yeah. so he comes back. Um, the Shield reunite. Um, Moxley comes back. He's got the, you know, Moxley haircut, you know, for Dean Ambrose. Looks better built. And then you have, of course, fortunately, Roman Reigns. I think he failed a drug test or. Yeah. No, no, he didn't fail a drug test. I think he had syphilis. It was one of those two. I remember at the time uh, there, was, there was a scandal going on about wrestling on steroids, and he was he was listed under under it. And all the fans were hoping that he would get suspended. <laughs> like they were literally hoping that he was a part of the scandal. Yeah, uh, like that's how bad they did not want Roman Reigns. But then they came to find out he had syphilis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so of course, then you had the Shield 2.0 for one night only. You had Kurt Angle part of the Shield. I know, like that. Like that's how they brought him back. And then on top of that, they put uh, AJ's. Well, that was a good match. AJ Styles and Finn Balor. <laughs> uh, I believe whoever AJ Styles was going to go against, I think they got injured as well. Whoever he was. Yeah, it was supposed to be. No, it was supposed to be Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt and AJ. Because it was supposed to be like the sister Abigail Demon versus versus the Demon Finn Balor. So it was a really weird time that happened because you had people get sick and hurt and steroids. So yeah. when people, and this is just a side note because I see this trash all the time on Twitter about the whole AEW has has an unsafe work environment because too many wrestlers get hurt. Fortunately, it's the sport of the business where fortunately wrestlers are going to get hurt. They're going to test positive for drugs. They're going to get syphilis, get sick. 
it's going to happen. Um, and that's a whole nother debate on wrestler healthcare. Um, but the thing is this time, this is probably, you know, you had some of the biggest momentum and storylines that were actually pretty intriguing at the time. Cause yeah. And then you have some taken away because of, of unforeseen circumstances. Um, I actually will disagree with you on that. I did like Kurt Angle coming back. I did like the spot at the end where he ripped off the shield gear and had his singlet underneath. And yeah. I really thought this was going to be his last ride and last in, on a good note. But of course, as we know, a huge, another huge letdown. He yeah, they <laughs> loses to Baron Corbin his retirement match. They ruined that whole thing. Like he didn't. I mean, <laughs> like I was saying, he, like he even said it. Him and Chad Gable would have been good. Like that been he'd be fine. He'd he'd have been fine with losing against Chad Gable. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was a big disappointment. I thought, Kurt Angle. Yeah. Well, and unfortunately, not soon after, in the same night, and this was probably one of the most sad parts. Especially, I don't care what your anybody's feelings on Roman Reigns is. Oh yeah. But when his leukemia came back, and he had to go away for a while, and then the same night, you have Dean Ambrose turn on Seth Rollins in the same night and start that really. Really, really bad heel run. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Gas mask, getting shots in the ass, um, or fans, wrestlers. It was just really dumb, right? Yeah, and that's then, when, yeah. That's when man was doing like the good shit stuff. Like, that's when he said, Oh, yeah, this is good shit. That's, good. that's our, mine and Mr. <laughs> Jacob's favorite line to see in the podcast. That's good shit, pal. And it, it wasn't. You know, um, at first I was like, okay, cool. I was all behind the heel Dean Ambrose. He could finally give Seth Rollins a taste of his own medicine. That was not the case, was it? (laughs) No. And at that point, that's when, and if you read Dean Ambrose's book, you listen to his podcast with Jericho, that's when the turning point where he was ready to leave. And he yeah. didn't know if he was going to resign. And he was getting frustrated and was like, I could do better on the indies. You know, this is still like AEW was, you know, working way up. Um, Kentucky yeah. Lady, uh, she agrees. Um, <laughs> she says Moxley's yeah. heel in WWE was bad. It was a stinker. It was trash. It. I will say, uh, I believe be- before he turned on him, didn't Rollins and Ambrose go on a tag title run? Uh, they yeah they did yeah so they were they were, they held tag belts and then the night that um yeah no and then, yeah and then that, that night and then fortunately he turned on his brother that same night of the, I can't remember if they had they retained or if they lost I can't remember it's been a little bit ago since I watched that match back but I think they lost I think they were, or they something because Jason Jordan and Rollins was tag champions yeah so. Yeah, so that's kind of what started this really cringe um, heel turn with Moxley as Ambrose, and yeah, it was it was bad. Um, and then of course when Roman came back, uh, they started the shield back up. They were trying to send Dean, you know, Dean Ambrose off in a positive light. They had the shields last match, last ride. Um, a lot of people praised the company for this, but I think they did it on purpose because they also forgot to mention that Ambrose jobbed out to um to EC3 
And then he also got squashed. Um, there was Bobby Lashley, one of them. Oh, it was Bobby Lashley, but there was um, I can't remember her name was, but she was like the like a monster, like female, um, one of the women's wrestlers. What was her name? Uh, she was in the Men's Royal Rumble and Randy Orton arcade order. Oh, or Nia Jax. Yes, that was the la- that was his last. That was my last straw with WWE. <laughs> when you have a, okay, if you wanted to keep Dean Ambrose, okay, why in the heck? Not being mean against Nyla Rose. I'm sorry, Nia Jack. Sorry, they're both they're both amazing monster talent. But but why would you have him job out to her? Like you are just like you are literally embarrassing him. But yet you're sugarcoating it and saying, "Hey, don't look over here. Look at what we did with the shield. The shield." Well, WWE, you you messed up big time because Moxley took his ball. Went home like Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns had said in their, you know, and in, yep. in, in uh, their promos and interviews afterwards. No, he did not just take his ball and went home. He took his ball and became the biggest, most talked about wrestler yep. before AEW had their biggest pay per view. There's a lot of speculation building. Will he show up? Uh, I want to, <laughs> I just come right here, Ethan. Uh, now in WWE, like, yes, they announced he was leaving, like the company did, like. They did him yeah. so dirty. Like they did that one time in history. It was uh, X Pac, I believe, years and years ago. But it, like that's how dirty they did him. Like because mm-hmm. a lot of us thought is this a work? Is like like no, he's not going to AEW. He's 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 just staying. But like they did him so dirty to like the company announced it. Like they was promoting this. Like they were trying to make him feel bad. I guess like like make him the bad guy. Well, reports were saying that they were trying to not burn the bridge down right was the way that they officially put it out right was they were trying to say hey i get if you have frustrations go away for a couple months and you'll come yeah. back and we'll have a bigger story for you oh he came back all right john Moss is like oh hell no nah. <laughs> he, he was came like back oh hell no nah. and you dear do you remember that video he posted um, yes the him, escaped, and him announcing yes. john moxley back in the, in the prison cell And I'm like, okay, as soon as I saw that, I knew something was going to happen where he was going to join up with the uh, shit pit, you know, the shit piss, the ant company. Where um, uh, at that time they were saying, yeah, in in that trailer had like the date of double or nothing 2019. Yeah. And and then a lot of people didn't catch this, but his interview, his sit on interview with the shield and Michael Cole, he said that he was going to cash in his chips, (laughs) chips, double or nothing. No one caught that. That he was gonna cash in his chips and he's he's done and he cashed in his chips he left <laughs> he left prison he cashed him in at double or nothing yep one of the biggest pops and probably yeah. the best way to end a pay-per-view yeah oxley comes out through the crowd like we all know he did as dean ambrose comes down to the ring causes havoc takes Kenny Omega and gives him a death rider or dirty deeds, what you want to call it at the time on top of the poker chips to end the night. And to think like when he came out, he set up two feuds of Jericho with, yep. uh, well, well, Kenny first. Cause he, yep. uh, they had a feud and then Jericho, like the very first event, they set up feuds that still technically going on Moxley and Omega right now, kind of. Don't forget episode one. 
Moxley comes out and smashes yeah. Kenny through a glass table. Yeah. And that sets up that huge, that first hardcore lights out match in AEW history. That was something where you had the barbed wire contraption. He had the you know the mats moved from the ring, and it, it was a very brutal match. And I feel like this is where we started seeing more of the John Moxley. But we wanted to see him, of course, even do all the violent stuff in WWE, but this is where he should have been as that heel in the lunatic French. You know, he went from being this really goofy, you know, doing, you know, help, you know, causing problems with the Miz with his John Cena cosplay. I feel like in a AW, he showed his true self, like his actual how do yes. I say it? Like in, in WWE, he even said that he he was saying stuff and CM Punk said a lot of people said this over the years that you want me to say this on a script? That's something that's not me. Like yeah. you're like you want me to be this person that, you know, like there's no way. Like, uh, even Dean Ambrose said this or Moxley that, what like when he turned heel, one of the promos was something really bad about Roman Reigns' leukemia. Uh, yes, I yeah, was about, to about yeah. that. And like that was like he turned that down. Like he threw it in the trash and like. I, I think I probably, I think that's something you don't do, like. Well, especially because, do you ever hear the story about Jeff Hardy's dog that died in the fi- at the house fire, during the uh, middle of Matt Hardy versus Jeff Hardy? I knew his house burnt down, but I didn't know his so, dog. So this was on his uh, last podcast that he did, and it talked about his match with his brother, and these real life. You know, they use real life in the storyline, but Matt Hardy felt this was too far, and he was like, "I probably should have said no." So, fire course in Hardyland or the compound where, want to, where the Hardys live. Jeff Hardy's house catches fire. Fortunately, his dog did not make it, and so next night on Raw, they're both there. So there are SmackDown too. Um. The writers hand Hardy a singed up collar, and and Matt Hardy went out there and cut the probably most darkest promo he's ever cut, and he talked about how he burnt the house down on purpose and killed Jeff Hardy's dog just because he was so mad and jealous at his brother for getting the light, you know, getting the championship and being the better brother, and he's like, I don't. It was it was it was I. That's, really one of the smallest regrets he had during that storyline so i'm glad dean ambrose turned that down because yes. i don't think leukemia especially with you know the um connor connor's cure um sponsorship the yeah. susan b coleman sponsorship there was no way like they would have those sponsorships yeah they um, lost all that probably that would have been it that's a, like i said and there are certain lines you just do not cross and mm-hmm. talking about someone Deserving to get cancer like that is just yeah. no bueno. It's wrong. So, you know, having that and all that fuel, he basically fueled that fire for him to become John Moxley. And, you know, he had some great moments. Um, he went over to Japan and wrestled in the G1 Climax. And he had probably one of the best matches in that and that tournament's history against Ishii. Pound for pound, two very similar striking styles, one of the best hard-hitting matches 
Have you seen this match, Connor? Uh, I've seen highlights of it uh, because during his uh, like he, he he never done this like he hasn't done this in years. He actually wore tights <laughs> for yep. for a little bit. Came uh, out in sh- the shorts. Yeah. yeah. He, he he did it on Dynamite a few times, but New Japan like like I believe that was his first match before. Uh, I was like right before he officially became AEW, wasn't it? Yeah, like his first match in AEW yeah. was uh, well, technically Fighter Fest 2019. Yeah, I believe it was like right before, like right after he debuted for AEW, or like yeah, it was like a split before. It was like yeah, you know. And going back, that was probably like I loved his time in Japan. Um, he had that match with Ishii, and then you have when he won the United States, you know, IWGP Championship against Juice Robinson. And yeah. I watched this full match, and these guys, like this, is where I think Juice started seeing more aggression from him, where you see more of the Bullet Club side of him now. This is really like his pushing off point. I know he had his time with Finn Juice, but. Go back, watch this match. Um, Juice Robinson literally jumps off of they have like because they have like almost like a, almost like a WCW entrance way, and he literally flips off of it and hits uh, Moxley, cool. and it's just a great great match. Obviously, Mox is the heel on that. Did the double bird Death Rider won the championship belt, um, and then you had some, and then you have into probably some of the better matches. Um, I think with that belt because if you look at it, he went up against Lance Archer. Um, in a Texas yep. death match that was um, Ethan uh, actually beat me to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Texas death match when he went up against Moxley and Moxley lost, I know they went up against each other twice. It's ironic because it happened both times here in Texas. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, but um, that's what really kind of sparked the Texas death match where it had that last man standing match, but it gave it more of an aggression, you know. And I remember that night we're sitting there. I just remember seeing freaking Archer and Moxley just pounding each other's heads with forks. Yeah. And and just being there that night, because I'm a huge Moxley and Archer fan. And to hear you sick, you sick, just loud as like I have heard any crowd yell that. Um, that was probably like one of my other favorite moments of Moxley. And then that kind of leads into, you know, and you also that's also kind of playing back on his first AEW World Championship run. Yeah, the his uh, first run was uh, I believe still to this day he has his first AEW title run. He defended the title the most times out of uh, like still to this day he's def- he defended the title uh, the most times out of anyone. Uh, I can't remember the exact number, but he went against Brody. Brody Lee was a really good one. At yep. Double or Nothing 2020. That was really You had good. the Jake Hager empty arena match. Yeah. I was I think I was, was that that was his what first title defense, wasn't it, after Jericho? I believe so. Yeah, because yeah. it was like right as soon as the pandemic hit and they were pre-recorded, and I think JR was the only one talking during that match. Yeah, like they like they kind of did the stipulation when like how the old days they used to do like the uh the uh, the like empty arena matches. Of course, I use yeah. that concept uh, in that, which uh, that was a really good match. I thought him and him and Hager was pretty good. You know, it wasn't like you know a five star classic by any means, but it was a lot of fun. But yeah. I don't know if I'm like because at the time, 
you know, AEW at the time frame for me was a distraction from, from literally, you know, a global bastard, you know, you have the pandemic that hit and it was, it was my distraction for it. Um, And then, of course, like I said, it was just, it was, it was such a fun match. A lot of people criticized it. It was just fun. Um, One that I forgot that Kentucky lady brought up uh, was Pac versus Moxley. And I'm going to have to go hopefully find that and rewatch that one. Cause I, I believe, can... uh, oh, you can go. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say, uh, like their, their dad match was a, uh, I believe it was a Iron Man match. Uh, that was a really, really good Iron Man match. There wasn't a winner either. And Moxley's pissed. Daniel <laughs> Omega comes out, a bunch of shenanigans go on. Like that was like packing Moxley. Like I'd like to see them. I don't know. They're going to get each other for the title. Uh, I don't think Moxley defended it against him. Or I can't like I think they've gone up against each other, but I've never actually. I it, I'd have to go back and look at the the list of who he faced, but I know I remember he, them going against each other. But I can't remember. I can't pinpoint it. I've got all the. Uh, oh, that's right. Um, Connor is pulling up a list as we speak, so I'll wait until we see the results for that. Um, you know, I think Moxley had probably him and. I, I love him and Drew McIntyre. I give them a lot of credit for basically being in the empty arena era of wrestling. Uh, Pack did challenge for the AEW World Title, but not uh, Moxley's run. Uh, but I have all the guys. Moxley goes against Eddie Kingston, MJF, Darby, Brian Cage, Butcher, Lance Archer. Oh my God, all these people, all these big guys. Jeez, man. Like he well then again he didn't back down from a fight, and then um, didn't he didn't Kenny Omega is this when he yeah because when did Kenny Omega beat him for the belt? Uh, winner is coming twenty twenty. That's right. Okay, yeah. Okay, because I can't remember if it was Winner is coming or the Holiday Slam. I can't remember if it was one of those two, but that's you know that was probably you know that was like defining moment as champion. We have. Something like Kenny Omega in the ring, like it was, it was yeah. probably, it was probably my favorite match that he had. I unfortunately I can't remember what programming it was on, but I, mean, I think that I feel like that was also like that kind of gave winners coming some credit because, yeah, you know you had like it, it felt some every time we had winners coming something special happened every year something yeah. happened, you know you had Sting you had Kenny Omega winning the championship you know. So one was uh, Danielson and Hangman, their uh, yep. hour-long match. That was great too. I was I was there for yeah. that one. You know, looking at it, you know, you have you have so much talent that Moxley ha- has went against. It almost like I said, it almost re-sparked his career moving to AEW because I feel like he would have yeah. retired if he was still with WWE. I feel like he would have yeah. been gone, done with wrestling a long time ago. Um, one of the best benefits of being in AW is he could go off and have matches in other companies. Um, one of my favorite moments, just because I'm a huge Matt Cardona freak, is he came out after Matt Card- it kind of Matt Cardona kind of taunted this. Hmm. Matt came out um, before um, they before Mox came back over to GCW, did the whole. Moxley, you know, walk and uh, attacked Nick Gage. And then, of course, that led to, you know, Cardona winning the championship. Had some decent moments with it. You know, he was getting a lot of heat. And then within a few seconds, Moxley comes out, 
Death Rider, one, two, three. Moxley wins the championship and then goes on to have a just crazy death match against Nick Gage. If you are the fate of heart, okay, Moxley in GCW is a sick bastard. Yeah. His match Nick Gage was wild. Um, he went up against Effie when he had the when he had the championship. And this moment made me a little squeamish a little bit, Connor. So Effie had a cigarette put out on his tongue from Moxley. You won't uh, see that in AEW or WWE. That's just too freaking far. Well, am I mistaken? George <laughs> Noah lit a, lit, a, lit a cigarette uh, one time in AEW. Uh, him and Jimmy Havoc, he... Uh, oh, that's right. For yeah, he looked up. That was the only time that's happened, I think. I miss Jimmy Havoc. Like him and Moxley had a got a match on Dynamite before, and it was really, really, really good. Yeah, but um, unfortunately, um, some personal life stuff happened with Jimmy Havoc and um, led to his departure in the company. We will not go into that subject here on the podcast because we've gone yeah. through it before. Um, anyways, uh, but if you look at like, he is just Moxley is on a whole nother level of deathmatch wrestling. It's, he brought a little more mainstream to it. Him and Nick Gage both did, but fans, one, don't like the deathmatch title, and two, deathmatches are not for everybody. And unfortunately, in 2021, you know it, (laughs) I know it, Um, and unfortunately, the phrase comes to mind, people remember the finish, but not the match. And Tony, I'm glad that you found better pyrotechnicians because that was probably the weakest ending to a match, not due to the wrestlers, but due to you not having a good explosion. And I wish they would have waited until, I wish they would wait until John Moxley got on the mic to say my favorite promo that got put out on YouTube and Twitter and everywhere where I said, Kenny Omega cannot build a, you know, a uh, death, you know, exploding barbed wire death match worth of shit. And right. I'm like, okay, that right there fixed your ending. Cause Kenny Omega at the time was becoming, you know, when we discussed it in the Kenny Omega video, go back and watch it. But when we discussed it, you know, he was being a very sports entertainer scripting like he literally had scripts in his hand a few times when he came out yeah but you easily could tie it into that character because you didn't see him working on the death yeah. you know all the barbed wire be- the- before the match happened and unfortunately this is one of moxie's favorite death matches he's had but fans won't remember it because of that they will only remember the finish i don't even know how that was going to go off because like the actual way it's supposed to happen, like I don't know how that would have went down because they would have had to evacuate the whole Daily's place <laughs> if that would have actually happen. I think um I try to remember there's I, there hasn't been any videos leaked of it because I think they tested it the day like the day of, but it was supposed to be like just explosion like more fireworks but in a controlled setting to where fans yeah. would not get burnt. Um, yeah, and I wish they would have showed how it was supposed to look. But I feel yeah. like that kind of pulled back. I do recommend uh, our interview with Bryce Rimsberg. He went into detail a lot about that. Uh, he talked about how it was supposed to go, and like the actual, like he actually had to uh, him Moxley and everyone involved had to 
be there hours before the show. They sprayed them down with all this stuff. Like, uh, I definitely recommend going to watch. There's a lot of more detail. A lot of people doesn't know about that match. Um, the Exploding Battle Bar death match. I thought the match was really good. Uh, just the finish was, uh, wasn't really that too good, but the match itself was good, I thought. Yeah, it built suspense in a great way. You know? Yeah. Every time that somebody like, whoa, they're getting to the barbed wire, whoa, whoa, oh, <laughs> ah! and just to have that, um, fortunately, that finish wasn't the best. So Moxley had some pretty decent feuds in between 2021 and then 2022. Um, 2022 happens, and I feel like Moxley had another big year. You know, you had the formation, uh, the Blackpool Combat Club. You know, he had a great match with Brian Danielson. Where at the end, William Regal slapped the shit out of both men, mm-hmm. starting the yeah. Blackpool Combat Club. Um, I wish they would have kept Regal. I wish they would have found a way and gave him more opportunities because I loved Regal's portion of it. Um, but then that leads you into, you know, probably one of, fortunately, due to circumstances, uh, Moxley stepped up. You know, um, we all know what happened with Punk getting hurt and uh, the brawl out situation. And, you know, he had to be interim champion, you know, a couple times, if I remember correctly, or was it once and then he finally beat Punk and then beat Punk again? Uh, let's see. Punk was champion, it, he was interim, then yeah. Moxley beat Punk, then Punk beat Moxley. It was vacated, then Moxley won it again. Yeah. It was such a weird time frame, you know. And yeah. he had, you know, like, you know, he put his vacation to the side. For this and um we'll talk more next week because we actually will have a civil debate um on here or at least civil talk about um the state of cm punk and AEW's potential new show so it's a little plug for next week's episode um but you know moxley of course steps up because he is a company man um he he still believes in AEW. um but i do think it's funny did you listen to his podcast with his wife renee uh, or watch not, a clip about how he's tired yeah. of all the drama and all yeah. the places he's worked. You never seen Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, like, he normally stays out of the drama. So it's just interesting because he, he's a very to himself guy. But just that comment alone, it's just, it sucks that everything happened. And he literally, but he loves AW so much. He's, he loves it just like the true fans and the true marks do, where he put his vacation aside. He could have been on a beach drinking, you know, drinking a, you know, Virgin Bloody Mary because he doesn't drink anymore. Um, and he could be on, you know, beach with his hot wife and his baby girl. But no, he put it aside and had some of the greatest um, moments in AEW. And hey, I'll be right back. I just got to shut this door. Oh, you're good. Um, but he had some of the best moments in AEW at that time frame. And then, of course, you have the formation of the Blackpool Combat Club. I love I love this faction. I think it's one of my favorite factions in AEW. Um, so if you look, if you go back and look at it, and I want to ask what you guys think about it too. Um, what did you guys think about the formation of it? Because you literally have, you know, you have the hot shot Wheeler Yuta who had a great match against Moxley um, that came into the fold because of it. Joined you know joined up with him and Danielson, and then you bring in Claudio. Claudio coming from WWE. You know, never got his moment in the sun, comes over, becomes Ring of Honor world champion, and you have probably one of the most decorated group of, you know, 
individuals in any faction, I would almost say they're up there with the elite with how much gold they've had between all four of them. So I thought that was a really cool moment. To, and it's going strong because now the Blackpool Combat Club, it looks like they're turning heel and going against the elite. So I feel like that's where John Moxley's at with his career at the moment. Um, Connor, what do you think about the Blackpool Combat Club? Do you like the, uh, do you like the, um, like, are you liking the, um, the flow of it? Do you like the storytelling they're doing? Yeah, I like the, uh, what they've done so far. I wish Regal was still there. Uh, to me, he brought something, I just say it, something ruthless. Um, he, he brought that ruthlessness into the, uh, Blackpool Combat Club, but, uh, he didn't want to be an on-screen character. He just wanted to really just be what he's doing now, you know, I guess, Behind uh, the scenes, training, yeah, teaching. Yeah, like he, uh, but I wish they would have, like, when they, like Danielson and Moxley, their feud, they mentioned Lee Moriarty and Daniel Garcia. I wish they could have had the actual, everyone they said, and we and Regal together. I'd have been something, uh, something to see. Uh, yeah, you but, know, but currently I like the way the Blackboard Combat Club's going. I actually think they're better as heroes than faces now. Uh, yeah. I feel like they're almost yeah. in a um, sorry. I feel like they're almost in a uh, gray area at the moment. I feel like they're not fully turned heel yet, but they're yeah. getting there. Like they're showing that aggression. And you know, going back to William Regal, one of my favorite lines, his last words in AEW was after he cost Moxley the W or the AEW World Championship, mm-hmm. and the lesson that he taught him that. That was the last lesson he taught the Blackpool Combat Club. And, you know, that was, I can't remember what his exact words were. Do you remember what his exact words were, Connor? Um, Wasn't it like, I had nothing left to teach you? Basically, yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, he was, you know, basically, like, they wouldn't let him leave. Like, he didn't bring it up, but basically, in story wise, uh, like, they wasn't going to let him leave. Uh, and he's already he already taught them everything. Like, like there was nothing left to teach them. Uh, basically, is what he was saying. That last uh, promo of yeah. Shibani, he, he got. Yeah, it's just it's so crazy to look at it and see, you know, what happened then. And I feel like that was almost like the turning point of the Blackpool Combat Club to where they went from being students and almost being a Padawan, becoming full-on um, masters. Um, Ethan, and I want to get your take on this too, um, but we had Nigel McGuinness uh, join back up with ROH, and do you think he should join up with the Blackpool Combat Club, or would you want to keep those guys separate? Uh, there's someone I actually I, I want to be the leader of the Blackpool Combat Club, but I don't know if it could happen. Because uh, he works somewhere else, but Wade Barrett as the as the leader of the Blackpool Combat yeah. Club, that dude is huge. Like he's still he, buff, even though he hasn't wrestled. TV, TV doesn't do him justice. That dude is seven foot tall. Oh my god, he's taller than he's taller than the Big Show probably. Uh, probably <laughs> he is. TV doesn't do him justice, but uh, I feel like, of course, Drew McIntyre in the Blackpool Combat Club would be pretty cool too, uh, and Sheamus would be pretty cool. Uh, but as a leader. Uh, at this point, uh, Nigel, I think he's going to be. Uh, I think this AEW collision, he's going to be on there. But uh, 
if but if they were gonna pick a new person, like a new manager, I think Nigel McGinnis would be the perfect person uh, to like if they were gonna look for a new manager, he would be the perfect person. You know, I think looking at it now, there's a lot of potential, a lot of storylines um, with where the back combat club is. So, Ethan, I I love your opinion, uh, or not your opinion, but your question. But I think we should kind of keep Nigel away from Blackpool Combat Club. Let him do his own thing, because right now, you know, between Blackpool Combat Club and the Elite, and even Dark Order, I didn't say they're throwing in there now at this point, but everything has been leading up to probably a big payoff down the road. At least time of recording, um, I'm not sure what's going to happen next. You know, and really, kind of what started almost this heel turn was uh, the feud with Hangman Adam Page, and yeah. this started the night that Hangman got knocked out and concussed, and couldn't remember his own baby's name. We we're we were there that night. Oh, well, on the watch along wise, we were yeah. we were in the watch along, and I remember like how much shock and how much how worried we were, you know. But that led into some of the best. I think programming and probably one of the best matches at Revolution. Yeah, that um, was a really good match. What did you what What did you think of that? Like bringing in some of the realism and then leading into that huge death match where literally Moxley got hanged and had to tap out because he got hanged. Uh, like, what did you? The, how did you feel about that? I thought the match was really good. Uh, I really think they do the Moxley, especially. He does the well, not every time. It seems like on pay per view, mainly uh, there's a lot of weapons involved. But yeah, uh, but the way the story was, you know, first match, first match, uh, he he basically knocked uh, knocked knocked Hangman out. Yep, and then uh, Hangman Hang- came back and knocked him out. Hangman came back and knocked him out, and then I think Moxley. Beat him again. Then like, it was like two-two tied going into the pay-per-view, yeah. and they needed that. I thought it was going to be the payoff right then and there, but uh, but now it's not really Moxley and Hangman anymore. Kind of it's basically now it's like uh, Kenny and uh, Kenny and Hangman. You know? Yeah. But uh, there's a lot to. But I thought the match, story. I thought that match was one of the best in the entire pay-per-view. Moxley uh, and Hangman. A lot of people are very sickened by that match. Um, Maybe because I'm just so used to like watching ECW matches and going back and not watching GCW, but um, looking at it, it was it was a lot of fun. It was crazy. Um, the brick, that brick spot. Yeah. Um, I loved how Moxley described it, and I and if you get the chance, like I said go listen to his um, take on it with the Renee Young podcast, Renee Paquette. or sessions, I think it is. Yeah, sessions with Renee Paquette. Um, he didn't give the audience time to even look at it. Like he didn't do the, you know, the showing <laughs> off of the brick. He just went straight for it and went, wow, like, Oh my God, that's a brick, you know? And like, it was, it was probably one of my favorite Texas death matches. I would have to say, um, hangman comes out to the whole, uh, death rider in the sky. And that, you know, it was just a really good story. And, now we have probably one of the best storylines probably going into the next pay-per-view, hopefully. And yeah. hopefully it won't drag on for eight months. Oh god. I, I don't think also <laughs> they can drag that on until all out. I don't see how they can do that. I, I don't I think there's a bigger story gonna happen with, with all with all out and um 
yeah, I feel like there's gonna be a lot of bigger stories coming into that because that's gonna be a huge month. Yeah, it does for you because you got all in all up back to back. So yeah, so you're gonna have some big payoff matches for those two. So, but I don't think I feel like that this is gonna end, and then that next storyline is gonna happen um, for both groups involved. Like, I'm excited to see what's gonna happen with Blackpool Combat Club. Like, I'm curious if we'll have them go up against um, Aussie Open. Yeah, that'd be good. Yeah, there's a lot of potential for BCC and John Moxley. You know, I don't know what's next for John Moxley after you know, this hangman and elite feud with the BCC, maybe at uh, full gear, maybe we have a, maybe we have a match between him and Claudio, you know, yeah. where somebody's going to split off or Yuta, you know, Yuta has been another force that's been kind of hinting at leaving. So I feel like you can kind of hint at it where this sort of like won't drag, but kind of hint at it and then have Moxley or BCC all turn on Yuta. And then you can yeah. have you to be that big baby face and maybe like, you know, there's so much you could do with Moxley because Moxley's in an interesting position because he's still good. Like he's still limber. He still does great matches. He's still putting on good content where he could easily get back into the title picture. But also yeah. at the same time, he's also putting over a different talent like Yuta. Um, I want to see him and Preston go back against each other. And yeah, see Preston get one over Moxley for you know you know at least once before, you know just something you know there's a lot they could do with Moxley. Um, what do you think they should do next with Moxley? Do you have any ideas, Connor? Uh, after the feud with the Elite, I think uh, very interesting because uh, after Double Nothing, you know, in the June, uh, someone's gonna come back. That's gonna shoot a lot of things potentially. Uh, you don't know. Yeah. Because it's just dirt sheets reporting at this point and sources yeah. from Fightful, but I he's, hope uh, I I hope yeah he's uh I hope he comes when, back is when he comes back uh I think the match that uh you know the match that everyone wants is the uh, you know the uh, CMFTR versus the Elite, but I actually think uh, CMFTR versus the Blackpool Combat Club would be pretty good, or this one the the one match. Uh, well, it doesn't really involve Moxley, but uh, they they teased it at the ROH pay per view when uh, FTR beat the Briscoes the second time. FTR versus Claudio and Wheeler Yuta would be good, but I would also like to see Moxley go for uh, uh, him go for another title in AEW besides the uh, world title because he's only ever won the world title in uh, AEW. So maybe which, go up, maybe the, the TNT Championship, or would you do the Intercontinent or the what it's called now? The, uh, the uh, international, yeah, have him win the international belt and take it to Japan. Uh, or you know, I really want to say the undisputed elite beat the house of black, but or, you know, if if they can't, uh, if Kyle O'Reilly's not back, uh, you know, in the next uh, five, I think three or four months, then uh, maybe have the Blackpool Combat Club defeat the house of black for the trios championships. Uh, you know, you could have Moxley and Claudio as tag champions. Uh, there's a lot of things you can do with Moxley. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could yeah. see him going to ROH a little bit, maybe. Uh, <laughs> I feel like you could do a good couple of good crossovers. You know, yeah. I would love to see him and Joe. I feel like yeah, that would be a match. match to go back. Um, Roosh, I think, would be good. You know, I could, I could main event an ROH pay per view right there. You yeah. Know? Um, 
<laughs> yeah. Friend of the show, Tony Deppin. He can go up against Tony Deppin in a death match. <laughs> yeah, that would be. Yeah, that would be good. Uh, but th- there's a lot of things you can do with Moxley uh, in AEW. After after the like he can really do anything. He'd, he'd fit right in. Uh, you could put him against. Uh, yeah, there's, you you can put, put him against, against Hobbs. You could put him against. You could put him against uh, MJF again. MJF again. I uh, feel like you kind of need to at least do that story again, and it, and have MJF because the the thing is, what else can MJF do, and how, what else could he win? And I feel like before you have him lose the championship, I feel like you could have Moxley and MJF in a death match. Yeah, that would be pretty good. They could, uh, if they wanted to do it at all out. Uh, well, no, it was, it was full gear last year. Yeah, I would say, I would say full gear. I would say full gear, or have him do it at Winners Coming, and then have him beat that year mark as champion, and then not saying you necessarily have to do it at, like the pay per view after, but then I feel like you could lead into MJF's downfall. Have him, you have that where he you know basically wins the craziest type of match out there besides hell in a cell but you have him beat you know moxley and then you have his downfall by somebody like a darby allen or a you could have maybe an eddie kingston or a sammy Guevara or one of the pillars you know like jungle boy i feel I like think, you, uh, you're building up to that next big baby face i think uh tony i think he's, he's gonna have a tell till january next year just so they're ensured that he'll stay uh th- that's the way or not he's already signed a new deal yeah. which i really think he's signed a new deal and is not. just playing that because look how many okay look how many fans always talk about the 2024 it's the most talked about stupid thing in wrestling right now aside cm punk and rowan reigns beating cody it's it's up there right um I'm glad they've kind of toned down a little bit on it. I know he's still mentioning it every once in a while, but I feel like now it's kind of overdone. Like, yes, we get it. Your contract so. ends in 2024, and you might pull a CM Punk and walk out of the company with a championship. We, we we talked about this a while ago, but I think MJF would would really not even do it to say he's going there, but do it. Take a picture outside the WWE <laughs> headquarters with the AEW world title. He He'd do it. Like, oh, not yeah. that, like, not that he's even going there, just to create speculation. He'd do that. He'd probably go in the building. With, no, I know. He'd, he'd probably go in there <laughs> and have the AEW. Well, yeah. And, like, well, looking at it, he needs... Um, something you could do with Moxley. This is out there. So talking about shots fired. The Blackpool Combat Club going on a tank and... Invading the WWE. <laughs> no, it, 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 wouldn't, it, it's, it wouldn't work with, with like Bullet Club. Okay, so Bullet yeah. Club got away with it because they're <laughs> almost like they were at that time the modern version of NWO, yeah. which if you think about it, looking at it, that the core elites almost in that same boat, if you look at it, they're kind of. Yeah. You know, so it's it's a really crazy situation like that. But I, a tank, Connor, a tank. DX did well, not <laughs> D- not actually yeah, to blow the thing up, but uh, <laughs> uh, what's it say? But uh, I don't know. It just I don't know if it would work or not. I I personally don't know. I think I'd have to see a good build up, or it'd have to be like DX controversial again. 
Yeah. So I don't know, man. It, like, there's a lot you could do in Moxley, as we discussed. Um, I just had an idea. I lost it. Oh, lost it. So that's okay. I feel like, like I said, Moxley. I think looking at it now, Moxley is probably one of the best world champions AEW has had. Oh, uh, yeah, like we we were talking about AEW world titles. Yeah, uh, I've said this before. I've predicted every world championship in order, like exactly, like Jericho, like AEW's first start. And they they need that big name going into TV. Jericho, Moxley's the second biggest name. You got Kenny Omega, probably the the biggest independent wrestler. Well, I don't know if you could consider him an independent wrestler when he first joined AEW, but he was uh he wasn't like Jericho or Moxley, but he was. <laughs> And you had Kenny Omega, Hangman. He was due for the the win because uh, the feud of uh, besides Punk and MJF, uh, Omega and Hangman had a perfect story. Hangman wins. Uh, CM Punk's there. CM Punk was up. No, I did not predict an interim champion because uh, that's not even unheard of in wrestling. Like, I think AEW is the first like professional wrestling company like to do an interim mm-hmm. champion, but uh. I, if if when I'm I, I'm probably wrong, like I feel like I'm going to be wrong pretty soon for the next because okay. uh, I've got Revolution 2024, which they could do it with two people, but uh, I would say Brian Danielson, but MJF's going to say, you know, if I beat you, like what else do I need to prove? He puts up his yeah. career, he puts up his career on the line, but uh, I, I actually think Adam Cole might be the next AEW World Champion. I feel like you could be right on that one just because of how they're showing him in not as a babyface on Dynamite, but also the new show, the uh, is unrestricted, is that what they're calling it? Yeah. Uh, so oh, how, uh, uh, no, it's AW uh, All Access. All Access, yes. And he's built he's they're building him up where he could potentially do that. I think it's either gonna be uh I think it's either going to be Danielson or Adam Cole next. I will disagree with you on the Brian Danielson for the moment. Um, I think it's going to be Darby or Jungle Boy. Yeah. Those are my two picks. Just because like the whole pillar storyline right now, I feel like you have to build those baby faces up. So I feel like, I won't say Sammy. I think Sammy would be a good champion in a few years, maybe. But I feel like he's got too much heat where a heel versus heel match for MJF to lose it unless they figure out a way to turn Sammy face, but there's not a chance right now, at least with his current uh, faction status and the heat still from the uh, (laughs) marrying, you know, uh, Ty, you know, um, Mello. So I think uh, it's going to be interesting for sure. But but besides him, I think that the next pillar to win the title is going to be Darby. Uh, I don't know when, but uh, I don't know. It's gonna be very interesting. It's gonna, yeah. I think it's gonna be Daniel Storm or Adam Cole. But I'm leaning towards Adam Cole now, mm-hmm. just by the and Moxley and Adam Cole never won, never won against each other. I don't, I don't believe so. I don't think Moxley. I don't think they've ever won against each other. Uh, Cole and Mox. No, because I think Moxley left before Adam Cole got moved up for that one episode of. Of uh, SmackDown, everybody got stuck in Saudi Arabia. So that that's the first time yeah. ever. So it'd be a first time ever, and AEW likes paying attention to details. So I don't know, Moxley versus Cole would be great down the road. You know, 
MGF versus Adam Cole for the world championship. Like there's there's a lot you could still do with Moxley. And who knows? It's gonna be a fun one. Um so as we kind of start to wind down, do the comment section real quick. Um Kenny from South Park is watching. Yeah. Says, hello, mate. Thank you uh for watching, Kenny. If this is your first time listening, uh please uh hit the subscribe button. Uh we love to have you as a full-time listener. Um my buddy Kobe says, hope you guys are having a chill day so far. Uh, thank you, Kobe, for joining us for our episode on Moxley. Um, as we start to wind down, Connor, um, is there a match that sticks out to you that you remember, whether it's Dean Ambrose or John Moxley, that for you is the best match of his career? It's a tough one, but uh, I'm going to give one uh, his match against Pac. Uh, in AEW, that was his first, uh, I believe that was his first Dynamite match. Uh, him and Pac in the, uh, uh, the, uh, the Iron Man match. Uh, but WWE was, I think his match against, uh, Seth Rollins, uh, which one was it? Uh, we, we were talking about it. Was it Hell, was the Hell in a Cell one or was it, or was, cause there's a couple of he's had with Rollins. I can't remember which one it was. It, it was uh, I don't know, but uh, it was him and him and Rollins had a good match, uh, whichever one it was. But my favorite match of all time with Moxley is it's probably an AEW one. I I probably have to say uh, him and Danielson was pretty was really really good. Uh, Revolution, uh, but Moxley's put on a lot of especially in AEW history, like a lot of the best matches in AEW is. Really got Moxley's name on it. Uh, yeah. You know, I think for me, the one that kind of stands out, I, I still think it's his match with Jericho. Which one? Like his match with, I think his, uh, his revolution. Uh, revolution when he won the championship. I feel like that was a good one. That one really, that one and his Texas death match are tied for me. Both, yeah. I feel like, had emotion, both had the story there. Both were different and special in their own ways where the Texas death match had Archer, you know, basically retain the gold for a company that, you know, had that belt kind of hostage over here in AEW. So I feel like Archer did a good job of bringing that, you know, bringing it back to Japan, back and forth from AEW. So I feel like that was a great story. And then, of course, like I said with Jericho, I feel like his match with Jericho was great. Um, I loved when they played homage to the whole uh, WWE matches that they had. You know, I still yeah. love that night when Moxley apologized, uh, Dean Ambrose apologized to Jericho and gave him that shirt that had a whole bunch of crystal lights decorated on it. Yeah. And Jericho took him off the list. So, you know, that was, it, there's just moments like that where whether Dean Ambrose was silly and, and adorkable in WWE, and then seeing where he's at as John Moxley today, man, that is just such a great, a great like showcase of how much that man loves professional wrestling, and that's why he is like I feel like that's why he resonates so much with a lot of the fans in AEW, where the really only complaint they have on him is the whole blood. But Moxley has been through AEW almost from the start and been kicking butt from start to finish. Yeah. So you know that's match, uh... last words. Yeah, good. The match I was talking about was uh 2015 Money to Bank when uh it was uh well Moxley wasn't the real champion he just carried the belt around 
uh, from Raw. He basically stole the belt, but him and uh, Rollins at Money to Bank and Ladder Match was really, really good. Yeah. Uh, that's the one I was. Uh, I would have said him and Punk all out, but I thought that would be biased. My background and <laughs> talk about Punk a lot, but uh, their but their match really made me think of Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart a lot. Uh, like, not really the uh, the story, but the actual match made me think a lot of Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels. Which uh, I don't think they want to get started in WWE. Uh, Punk and yeah, Moxley. They did. Uh, I don't think a singles match, but I think they did a tag match. I don't think they already did a singles match because they did the whole storyline before, I think, Punk, or was it before? It was before Rock. It was before Punk lost it to Rock. Yeah. So that would be another fun podcast we could do. We could do a whole show on, uh, <laughs> on it. Yeah. But. Other than that, guys, um, that's going to do it for our, our discussion with uh, about John Moxley. Uh, we'd like to thank you guys so much for listening. From uh, Maggie, we appreciate you coming on. Um, she cannot wait for Punk to come back. Um, us too. I, I'm very neutral the whole brawl out situation. Um, so we're going to plug next week's episode. Um, I'm not sure who's all going to be on next week. Hopefully, we'll get the uh, the full cast in here because. Uh, this spark, this discussion that's going to spark next week, kind of spark from our group chat and yes. stuff. That, it's been all over on Twitter. It's just, it's going to be a fun, civil, civil debate. Because you know me and Connor, we got heated in the past about this, but oh, it's going to um, be between me and Aiden. Oh, yeah, well, I'm going to try to get Aiden on here because I want to hear, like, they're going to do the good, like we did kind of what we did with WrestleMania. We did the good, bad, and the ugly. Okay. And we're going to keep it civil. We're going to keep it productive. We're going to bring up good points for both Punk coming back and the new show Collision to see what's going to happen, what we predict. Um, so that'll kind of be our kicking off point. Also, um, I'm going to announce it on air tonight, officially. Uh, here in the next couple of weeks, Connor and myself are playing GM mode in real life. We have done a draft. Um, we only talked about it a few months ago. Uh, we've been kind of trying to work out the details on the show, so sorry it's been a delay. Um, but we're going to be starting a draft uh, special here in a few weeks where we will have um, kind of how a draft could help the company. Uh, we both have storylines, um, shows booked. We're going to start from basically week one of January. We're going to do uh, Beach Break, and then we'll go right into – uh, revolution so it's gonna be a lot of fun um connor and i have a really interesting roster between the two of yeah. us um at the time of recording and writing some of our storylines um there are some stuff um, some stars like jay white uh ty valkyrie that are not going to be on the show as yet but uh we will do we will add them um after we get our our first special done um so look we look forward to that so it's gonna be another fun uh little project we're gonna have here on the channel and next week's kind of going to kick off uh, why we think a, a new show, my opinion, could help because Rampage yeah. is a terrible hour. So hopefully Collision will help. Um, so, yeah. And then we'll also have uh, our Dynamite Watch Along tomorrow night uh, right here at 7 Central. Uh, Ring of Honor will be Thursday, Friday for Rampage. And then we'll start the cycle all next week. And so make sure you guys uh, come back next week for Talking Elite 7 Central. And make sure you guys uh, like us down below and subscribe to our platforms we have all listed down below from twitter to spotify to podbeam 
Uh, Connor has been kicking butt as of late and has got a lot of shows and more content uploaded on Spotify. So uh, right now it's, it's kind of an archive of some of our past episodes. So uh, go back, listen to those, watch your interviews, follow us on Twitter for all our polls, like us on Facebook. And that's going to do it for tonight's Talking Elite. Um, Connor, I appreciate you coming on tonight. Thank you so much for giving your insight and your love for John Moxley. And we'll see you guys next week for Talking Elite.